Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? It's called Ubiche Papon. Ever heard of it? No. No, I haven't. <laughs> we have not. <laughs> it's a boogeyman. Ubiche Papon, apparently. The Portuguese boogeyman. The Iberian Peninsula boogeyman. Who knew? Who freaking knew? I guess the other term for it is like coco or coke. Coco. I don't know how they say it. <laughs> Sounds like cocoj. You sound like you're like a, a Spanish grandmother saying coco. <laughs> <laughs> like coco is going to come. When I think of coco, I just think of um the Disney movie, which I think they were a little Spanish family as well. Were they referring? What would Coco refer to in that movie? Was it talking about the boogeyman? He was, wasn't he the little, little boy? Coco was like the skeleton movie, right? Yes, I know the movie, but. Like, why is he called Coco? Is his name Coco? Mama Coco. <laughs> like he goes, Mama, is there a last name Coco? Damn, I've only watched the movie once. The other one with the kid. <laughs> Did she not like the Coco that one a lot? <laughs> you know, she really she really never took to that one. We watched it a few times, but she never like yeah. it wasn't one that she watched on repeat. I thought he was Coco and he played like the he had a little guitar. Like Yeah, but family. I keep hearing I keep in my mind hearing Mama Coco, like like the grandmother was called like Mama Coco or something. So it could be like a last name situation here. That's what I was thinking, but I'm not sure. <laughs> People that are listening to us are like these girls. They don't know their Disney movies. The the Coco. It's a mythical ghost-like creature similar to the Boogeyman. Monster comes to the house of disobedient children at night. Always. The thing I found most entertaining was how we got the name for Coconut. The fruit coconut. Mm -hmm. It was from, isn't something like, like Portuguese related? I read that. Vasco Portuguese da Gama. Sailors. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's something with the sailors, right? They encountered an island with some <laughs> palm trees and coconuts in their travels, in their colonization attempts which is a different story for another day. But <laughs> That's a whole other episode. They saw these coconut fruits and they're mm -hmm. all hairy. And then they have like these indents, uh, three indents or whatever. Yeah, the three on the indents. Yep. And it looked like a face. And it looked like the face of, of the boogeyman, apparently. So they started calling <laughs> it Coco, like the same word they use for boogeyman. And I read then that. That's how we got coconut. <laughs> like, this is a coconut because it's a Portuguese boogeyman <laughs> looking thing. I'm kind of like proud that, like, we named it. We named the coconut after the boogeyman. Like that, Vasco I'm, da Gama. <laughs> I'm proud of us. I don't feel like we get a lot of credit. Like, I don't feel like our culture gets a whole lot of credit on a lot of stuff. So, mm. I, I want, I'm, I'm proud of us for naming that. We have a statue of him in Fall River. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> of course we do. A statue to the man who named Le Coconut. 
so the Coco, this boogeyman, is on the lookout from the rooftops of children mm-hmm. that misbehave. And I think we've seen just like variations of this that we've talked about in other episodes when we were talking about different cultures and their mythical creatures, right? Yeah. And there was the gorilla lady that goes after disobedient children. That's like their version of their little boogeyman, boogie woman, I should say. <laughs> and then there was like Krampus, which yeah. I don't oh, yeah. I don't even recall what country that originated in, but that was also a very boogeyman like thing where he would come and like eat the children. Yeah. <laughs> and like throw them in there in his sack, kind of like Santa. He's like Santa's opposite, but for bad kids. Right. And actually the thing I was just gonna say was that the mm-hmm. this Coco boogeyman character represents the quote unquote opposite of a guardian angel. So they're just <laughs> whatever that means. I like that. Parents really had to come up with some stuff how bad were these kids (laughs) to punish their kids or like get them staying on track so they would yeah like how bad were they well back in the day there was like probably multiples of kids but what could they possibly be getting into good question i don't know if you got about Like like 10 kids running around in your house you don't even have electricity, though. Like, what are you getting into? <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Like, what what could they be doing that's so bad that you're going to be like, someone's going to come in your sleep and they're going to eat you? Maybe I was going to say steal if they were hungry. I know my dad told me a story that he used to steal watermelons in the Azores <laughs> at night. <laughs> like, from the friend. watermelon patch, like, where they were growing? Yeah, he would go into other people's like farms and they would still monsia. So, <laughs> but the boogeyman shouldn't be coming after you for that. You're you're hungry. Touch foam. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is between ancient parenting and <laughs> millennial parents, but I'm sorry, but there's no way in hell I would ever plant that information in my kid's head. Like I spend. of my time trying to remove the fear from her because she's like afraid of everything. And I'm like trying to be like, no, everything is safe and you're fine and nothing's wrong. And there's no monsters in the closets. Like you're great. Like I, that's how I spend all of my time trying to like (laughs) calm her fears. But ancient parenting was like instilling fear in your children. I feel like our parents instilled a little bit of fear with us and not so much with the boogeyman like, i didn't grow up hearing about a boogeyman i really wasn't worried about monsters underneath my bed or anyone like or monsters in my closet like i didn't grow up with any of that like our parents I definitely instilled fear in us as we discussed in many episodes but just not with this the fear of god <laughs> they put the not fear with- of god in you <laughs> I was just going to say, not with mythical creatures, but you just said it. Fear of God. Well, I would say he's mythical. Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> and, like, if you discipline your daughter today, are you just telling her, are you going to, like, take the iPad away? No TV. Go up to your room for five minutes. Yeah. No TV tonight. What about no dinner? 
That's like an American TV thing, like punishing your kid with no dinner. Who would like, ever do that? Like a Portuguese person would never do that. Never in the day of my life, my parents took a dinner away from me because me or my brother got in trouble. Never. No, no. you're punished. You're going to sit here and you're going to eat all the bites. Every last bite. Don't hide the steak and the mashed potatoes. <laughs> you're not leaving here until you clean your plate. <laughs> Then I never understood that concept. I'm like, you're sending your kid without dinner and they're like, they're going to be hungry. Like, what, what are you doing? If I sent my kid to bed with no dinner, she'd be like, fucking great. Sounds amazing. <laughs> like, I can't get her to eat like anything. Aww. Other people say that the Coco is the representation of the deceased of the community. Ghost of girlfriend's past shit. Like... <laughs> Your freaking community is just haunting you and eating your children. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't even understand why they would do this to their children. Like, aren't you just screwing yourself if you're telling your kids about like a boogeyman and then here you are like you need to like check your kid's room because now they're scared to go to bed. Like, aren't you putting more work on you as a parent? I'm actually kind of confused as we're talking about this because the next thing I have here is like a little poem that they used to recite about the boogeyman but it sounds like it's from a parent perspective and it's telling the boogeyman to go away and leave their kid alone which doesn't make sense if the if the boogeyman is just conjured up by the parents in order to instill fear and get the children to behave it's just the math ain't mathin'. <laughs> Like, just don't tell your kids about the boogeyman and then you wouldn't have to make a song about them. Like, isn't this fucked up? Like, you conjured up the fucking boogeyman to scare your kids. And now you're going to go pretend to, like, to your kids, like, you're going to be their protector and we're going to sing a little lullaby to protect you from the boogeyman at night? It sounds like some toxic parenting. Adult therapy is going to be needed. Oh, of course. When those kids grow up. <laughs> which they did. They're grown. And then they raised more kids that were fucked up. They raised us. (laughs) Okay, so this poem, this nightly poem, is called. I'm going to say it in Portuguese and then I'll say it in English. Okay. Vat coco, vat coco, para cima do talhado, deixa o meu menino dormir, um soninho descansado. I love your Portuguese. I love it so much. It's like grandma Portuguese. It's like, I love it. It sounds like my grandma. But leave boogeyman, leave boogeyman, go to the top of the roof, let my child have a quiet sleep. Don't tell your kids about boogeyman and then they would have a quiet sleep. You want to be the villain and the hero in the same story. (laughs) Like, that ain't how it works, right? That's exactly it. What's that like? Batman quote from the Dark Knight like you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain yeah <laughs> I was thinking that I was thinking parents want to have their cake and eat it too <laughs> yours makes more sense <laughs> well they're having the cake and they're eating it too because they're <laughs> getting the behavior that they want out of the kid by scaring them and then they're getting their kid to trust them and like Right, so both quotes don't work. Look at that. <laughs> so, guys, we have a 
social media roundup for you that I don't want to forget. And we just got into a real groove on the Coco Boogeyman. <laughs> so we're going to push it off to right after our culture segment. There's a fashta every June. I think it just happened like a few days ago called Corpo de Coca de Monson in Portugal. I think Monson is like the name of the like village or town or whatever in Portugal. It's like it's like a boogeyman fashta, but like also the body of like Christ a- yeah. fashta. I don't understand how we're overlapping the fashtas. It sounds like a carnival. <laughs> That's what it, it gives me like carnival vibes. Like the most information I found was like they have a a Facebook page specific to this mm-hmm. fashta. Oh. And lots of pictures, lots of pictures. The types of things that this fashta acrobats, fire breathers, like fire awesome. jugglers magicians clowns people on stilts juggling swords it is like this crazy carnival thing it's, it's awesome and the main event here of with the coco is this like roman style amphitheater battle the representation of the coco takes various different forms like, I don't know if it's based on what country you're from or just mm. over the years or whatever. There's different, like, representations visually of it. Like, I know a lot of times the boogeyman is, like, faceless and it's just, like, hiding in a dark corner or it's invisible or whatever. And it's not really a good visual. It, a dragon can symbolize this Coco boogeyman, I guess. And so the battle is between the dragon, which represents evil, and then and the boogeyman, and saint George. <laughs> who, re- who represents good, I guess. St. George. Who's winning that battle? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Man, man versus animal. Man versus <laughs> man dressed up as animal. <laughs> and so it's funny you say who's winning that battle because when I first stumbled upon this, I was thinking that it was like some staged thing where they just like, okay, you know, it's like the WWE, like they already have the winner picked mm-hmm. and they know how they're going to do it or whatever. And like they like it's the same thing every time yeah, kind of deal. And it's not. It's like an actual battle here and you don't know who's going to win. It has like implications for the crops and the harvest. It's always about the harvest. Always. And so if Saint George loses Mm-hmm. And I guess he loses. He rides a horse. He's like a horse rider saint. Apparently, that's his thing. So if the Coco scares the horse, horse. that's like defeating Saint George. And there will be a bad year for crops and there'll be famine. If the horse and Saint George win by cutting off one of the Coco's ears with earring and her tongue, that's very specific. Way to win. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The crops will be fertile. Who's wearing earrings, though? The Coco, the dragon. The Coco. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> the boogeyman. This is a boogeyman earring that needs okay. to be lopped off is, its ear, apparently. Is it like a stud earring, or do you think it's wearing like a hoop? I was thinking it was like a loop, but I don't know. <laughs> is it just like pierced on one side? Is it got the one side piercing? or is it Oh, like- it's got to be. It's, good. it's probably a one side like loop. Like, but I think this is a girl. I think the coca is a girl. It's feminine okay. in this fashta. Yeah. It's a feminine okay. dragon. 
So she got those at baptism. Yeah. <laughs> or she went to the local Claire's boutique store at the mall and got her ears pierced. Oh my gosh. So it says, oddly enough, the people cheer for the Coco. They cheer Coco. for the boogeyman. They cheer for the evil. They cheer for the famine and the, <laughs> the bad crops. <laughs> Yo, I'm not going to lie. I would cheer for the dragon, too. <laughs> no doubt. 100% would be cheering for the, the Coco. <laughs> okay. So, Saint-Georges, apparently, big, big, popular guy in Portugal. Real popular. Named a whole island after him. And cheese. <laughs> they named a stinky cheese after him. So good. So, I, I then stumbled upon the fact that the Portuguese army used... Saint George, even in their battle cry, which the battle cry is like it's like your pump up jam, like it's like oh okay, like your anthem, like what you shout as you're going into war, like gotcha, like you got your soldiers on the front line, and then they just hung, you know, they just (laughs) they're ready to go, and this is what the Portuguese are shouting. They're shouting. Oh, I'm scared. Portugal and Saint George is the battle cry. So Portugal is Saint George. (laughs) And then they <laughs> march towards you with their swords. Why does that sound horrible? This is why we're not popular as a culture. <laughs> you got the Italians. You got the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Portugal <This> is- <laughs> and St. George. You have men risking their lives in the army shouting, Portugal is St. George. <laughs> oh. Like, no. we got our boy Saint George behind us. You're not just <laughs> fighting Portugal. You're fighting Portugal and Saint George. I'm not so proud of that moment. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to the coconuts. And I don't think this is just historic. I think it's something. Do you think it's, well, I was going to say, is it something they use today still? But they're not going into war today. <laughs> Who knows? You, you never know. But. I don't know. Maybe they still practice their battle cries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. They could still like practice it. It like reminds me of like, you know, when you're on like a sports team. I know you probably don't know, but <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when you're on a sports team and you, you know, you're about to go out into the game and you all put your hands in the middle, of, like yes. one on top of each other. And then you yeah. just like yell something and you break and you go. Yeah. It's, a, it's like. All right, everybody, put your hands in. Portugal is on shore. Like, it's just so wild. I like how you cleverly just probably made that up. <laughs> Added in that I wouldn't know because I didn't never played sports in school. Maybe you've seen it on a sports movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have. I have. Oh, I just, it just reminds me of a basketball coach that I had in high school my Catholic high school who thought that the girls basketball team motto that we would yell our battle cry mm-hmm. when we all put our hands in to break before the game was cojones, which is oh. like, it just means like fucking balls, like yeah, yeah, ball yeah. sack or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. People say that like you have the big cojones if you're like being sassy, right? Like if you're being like, you got big balls, right? You got big balls. Yeah, so like they thought that was appropriate to be the battle cry of the the female freshman. 
Catholic, <laughs> Catholic school basketball team. But that school is now closed. I was going to say, <laughs> maybe that's why it's closing. <laughs> I will be there tomorrow, which is in the, it'll be in the past by the time you're listening to this. But I will be attending the final walkthrough of the school before they shutter its doors forever. <laughs> is the school like closed for the year? I think they oh. must have already graduated. It's already kind of mid-June. They're probably yeah. almost done, if not done. Yeah. So we'll get to do a final walkthrough. I'll shout cojones one last time <laughs> in the locker room. There was a variation of something called the fairy cocos on this same Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not saying that right at all. If you Google it, Ferraris come up. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what comes up when I Google it. And this is why I'm talking about this on this podcast, because of what comes up when I Google it. So these fairy cocos um, in Braga, Braga, Portugal. I just said Braga, Mm -hmm. like the Braga Bridge in Florida. That location specifically, they do this little like processional thing. I think it might be part of Holy Week of some Mm -hmm. kind. And then it gets kind of muddied. The water's a little muddied. I'm like, does this have anything to do with boogeymen? Or is this just a Holy Week thing? Or like, what does this have to do with anything? And it's all kind of intermixed. And you can't really make heads or tails of what is supposed to be going on. At one point, it was talking about how like these people would go to the gallows and collect all the bones of all the people that had been executed for crimes and parade them through the streets and these fairy cocos would dress in these hooded cloaks that cover their entire face um with just little eye holes cut out for them and they would they were like black cloaks like a like a ghost but all in mm. draped in black cloth and then they would have these like giant sticks or these giant like lantern things on sticks with these like fire on the top and they would carry this like through the the village or whatever it's creepy so creepy it's creepy so creepy looking just these all black clad men with a sheet over them basically with eye holes cut out with a little fire torch ha- thing hanging way above their head and just like walking in unison in a procession and i think at one point they were saying that it was like a punishment to like have to walk through there and you had to be dressed in the cloak so no one would recognize you but you had to shout out what your crimes were to the townspeople like (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't think they do that anymore but they still do the procession with these guys Mm -hmm. i think it's like you gotta get on a wait list now to be a fairy coco (laughs) isn't it wild Uh, yeah totally wild but the spanish version and i think i'm interpreting this correctly but so the portuguese guys again fully cloaked but it's just kind of like a like a ghost like just like a sheet over your head like a ghost with the eye holes spanish version they went full pointy hat (laughs) (laughs) they went full pointy hood eye holes fire torches in the streets and i'm like Oh my God. So that's what came up when I Googled. I'm like, what's a fairy cocoa? Like so innocently. Mm-hmm. And I just got this fiery storm of like, I'm like, this is this is the Ku Klux Klan. I'm like, what <laughs> is going on? Uh, this is this is not okay. 
Is the KKK just an American thing? I mean, that's a good question. I don't know how prevalent that group is outside the U.S. or if there's any of that outside the U.S. Because these Spanish people seem real unconcerned with how they that's look. That's what I'm saying. In yeah. Like, is that something that they don't do? They not have that group in Spain. So to them, that's something normal. That's. And, but to us as like Americans, we look at that and we're like, uh, this is problematic. This looks like the KKK. And the timing is also interesting, too, because I would love to see like a U.S. weekly magazine cover side by side of like who wore it first. <laughs> Not who wore it best. No. But no. Who, who wore it? Who wore it first? <laughs> because or who wore it worse? <laughs> yeah well so the spanish is very colorful they don't just go in like yeah, white, white yeah. cloaks they do like all these different colored cloaks but they are creepy as hell still yeah they are even absent the kkk association if you saw that you'd be like what the fuck is going on yeah i would be of course yeah i would be right? freaked out too super creepy and like so with the fire out. with the torches and like oh all of it just creepy but I got to imagine that the Spanish version predates the KKK, obviously, right? That's a good question. I know the KKK has been, unfortunately, around for a long time. Right, but like America hasn't even been around for that long compared to like Spain, right? So, No, you're probably right. You're probably right. I think Spain had it first. So they would win. <laughs> <laughs> And they're just like, sorry, I know you're using the same, the same outfit to do bad shit, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop wearing it. So, yes, I would much rather be living in a country that did not have the KKK and that instead, I guess, use these little hooded outfits to celebrate the boogeyman, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so you had said that you saw something on Instagram a few months ago you in passing before we yeah. were talking about this way before and when you brought up the fairy cocos I'm like wow I remember this video and and I want to say the girl that posted it it was a real and the girl that posted it, I think was a black girl because and so she I don't know if she was she must have been in Spain or somewhere and these fairy cocoa processions was happening and the caption was more or less like in America, this is something that's totally different. And then you just see these fairy cocos walking by. But I didn't put two and two together what it was. I like legit was like, uh, when I first saw it, I was like, is this a KK thing? But then I was just going through it quick. But then when we talked about it, I was like, that's what the girl was posting. <laughs> I'm like, in America, this is something totally different. Yeah. Like, Holy shit. So I want to try to see if I can find. I don't know how I would be able to find that video, but it was like months ago. And so I think, I think it's a Holy maybe... Week. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Holy Week related. So it's right before Easter. And I remember they were in like different colors. So at first I was like, like this can't be KKK because I don't think they do different different colors. I think they just do <laughs> that would look too much like pride <laughs> to them. True. Yes. They, they yes. can't have that. <laughs> they can have colors. Like, aren't they usually just in their freaking white, stupid outfits? And maybe they do red. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
There's an episode on Kirby Enthusiasm. I know I try to get you to watch the show all the time. And Larry Davis, he's he's Jewish and he's Jewish in real life and he plays himself on the show. And uh, it was a few seasons back, so I can't recall exactly what happened. But he ruins a KKK member's like outfit and he offers <laughs> I don't know what it is. I forget the shenanigans exactly, but he offers to get it like dry cleans for this KKK member. <laughs> And then I think the dry and the dry clean wouldn't take it because they're like, this is a KKK outfit. Like, we don't want this. And then I think he tried taking it somewhere else and then end up getting ruined, right? And he, now Larry's like, shit, this is like my responsibility now to get this KKK member <laughs> his outfit, his, whatever, his outfit back. And then I think he ended up getting a custom made like KKK outfit for this guy. <laughs> It was really, really funny because it's like, what are you doing, Larry? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And this whole time, he could have just taken a little soul right off the comma over there. <laughs> Take the sheets off the bed. It would have been all set. It's weird. And I don't really know what the tie-in is to how is that all fitting into Holy Week? Uh, yeah. What? Like, I guess the it, they're supposed to, like, represent, like, the people who marched like Jesus to his death or something. They set out to hunt for Jesus Christ. Don't necessarily know that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> I think it's bad. <laughs> you ain't wearing that hood with the little <laughs> eye holes when you're doing something good. <laughs> so then why are we like still celebrating it today? <laughs> I don't know. It's tradition. I guess some some things they just they need to let go. <laughs> some things are better left in the past. <laughs> yes. Right? So I just thought like there were so many different variations of the name for mm. Boogeyman in all the languages. They had variations, but so in the American there was like all these things it was like bugbear. Boogie you know, woogie. Boogie Woogie, the boogeyman, and then the bugaboo came up. And I'm like, <laughs> bugaboo? Bugaboo? Like, no, dude. That's like a Destiny's Child song. That's not I, a boogeyman. I like that you thought of the Destiny's Child song, and I thought of the used to be a local restaurant. I don't know if it's a chain restaurant in, uh, in the country, but... It was local to us, Bugaboo Creek. I thought of that too. <laughs> okay. And I was like, why did they name their restaurant Boogeyman Creek? I couldn't figure that out. I was like, if Bugaboo means Boogeyman, why do you want to go eat there? Uh, did you ever get to go eat there? I didn't. It was in Seacock. So I, my mom didn't drive there. Was it kind of like a Longhorns or not really? I wouldn't know. I didn't eat it. <laughs> but, no, I... <laughs> but I think it, I think it's like that vibe. What was what was their cuisine at the Boogeyman <laughs> Creek? Children, <laughs> children on the menu, probably. They have a children's menu, but it's just <laughs> you're eating the children instead of feeding the children. That's how parents are tricking their kids. That's what it is. Parents are tricking their kids, saying we're going to go out to eat. They take them to Bugaboo Creek. And then 
you know, something happens and kids be gone. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's the portal. <laughs> the portal to the afterworld is the Bugaboo Creek. And Seacock. Seacock <laughs> <Seacock> mass. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder if that's why. The Bubba Creek is where the restaurant, the restaurant in Seekonk Mass on Route 6. Anytime there's a restaurant that opens there, they don't stay open long. There's been so many restaurants after that. This and is hard-hitting journalism, folks. <laughs> they never stay open. So I wonder if it's, like you said, it's a portal. It's like a cover business too, like they're laundering money somehow to Bugaboo Creek. Like <laughs> it's like mattress firm. Like I need to look into Bugaboo Creeks now. <laughs> I will be going down that rabbit hole after we, we finish this episode. We don't want to get sued by any Bugaboo Creeks. I don't even know if it's still an open, active restaurant. <laughs> there ain't no Bugaboo Creek people left to sue us. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bugaboo is like when you look that up, it's like it's like a hobgoblin. Like, <laughs> hey, you want to get down to the hobgoblin creek? Can you please, as of today, refer me refer to me as a hobgoblin? <laughs> <laughs> there is no better name than a hobgoblin. <laughs> I don't even. Oh, it's like I get like leprechaun vibes when I hear hobgoblin. Yes, yes, right? yes. Bugaboo, like. Imagined fear or threat. Why would you name your restaurant <laughs> about a threat? Imagine fear. It's, it's a portal. You 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 figure that out just now. You answer the question. I will be plotting a map with all the locations of Bugaboo Creek. <laughs> when they closed, what restaurants have taken their place? How long those remained open? <laughs> the, curse, the curse of the Bugaboo. Stops here. But also, yes. Destiny's Child lyrics to this Bugaboo song? Fire jams. Listen to this. You make me want to throw my pager out the window. Tell MCI to cut the phone poles. Break my lease so I can't move. Because <laughs> you a bugaboo. <laughs> a bugaboo. <laughs> I want to put your number on the call block. Have AOL make my email stop. Because you a bugaboo. You bugging what? You bugging who? You bugging me? You bugaboo. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of nostalgia in those lyrics. Our Friday's gonna die when <laughs> she listens to this. She's, She's a, a big, big Beyonce, Beyonce fan. <laughs> Which one of them do you think they were writing this song about? Who was the boogeyman in their life? Who was the hobgoblin that Jay-Z. they were trying to get rid of? <laughs> Young Hove. <laughs> it's like the only one that I that I know too, like of the men that they were involved with out of all three of them. Was Kelly Rowland not involved with Nelly? Or did they just made that song together that one time? Yeah, that's a good question. I thought it was just the song. But I, yeah. <laughs> and then the Who other knows? one was like Michelle, Michelle Williams, right? We get in. Beyonce was like, I'm out with both of you guys. Peace out. I'm doing my own thing. All right. So we're going to back up now because we just got mm-hmm. a little too excited to jump into our culture topic. So we're going to back up to our social media roundup, which is a great post that someone just made on our Reddit account. We had posted this 
post asking for people's feedback on Azor's burial customs a while back because we were doing an episode on that. I think it was episode 56, if you want to go back and listen to it. Great episode, but somebody just chimed in today with like some really good information. And we just figured we would give you an update on that by reading off what they said. So they said, my cousin and I were reminiscing about my avo, and we were touching on this very subject. My avo, who was from Vosson, San Miguel, was a grave digger in his early teen years. He was tasked with both digging graves for the recently deceased and would dig up the grave plots of the people who didn't or couldn't pay to renew the grave lease. The unfortunate truth is the island is only so big and most people were poor. So unlike funeral plots in the U.S., the plot you're buried in is only yours for as long as your family could pay for it. If the lease wasn't renewed, the person would be exhumed and their remains would be placed in a small concrete box. If I remember correctly, after being exhumed, the family could claim their remains and do what they wished with their family member. In most cases, in poorer areas, there would be rows of stacked, unclaimed concrete boxes stacked in the corner of the cemetery. When I visited in 1999, we went to the cemetery where my father's relatives were buried in Robtpish, San Miguel. The area, which is typically known to be poorer, had maybe 75 cement boxes stacked up two or three rows high. Boxes were untouched and cracked from the stress of the elements. In most cases, human remains were visible. It was very sad. If your family had money, they could purchase an above-ground mausoleum grave. It looked like a small shed with an iron or glass front where you could see the coffins, sometimes up to four of them, laid out with flowers, with tapestry and pictures of the deceased. As far as I know, these were more temporary arrangements. And now my favorite part. (laughs) One story that will stay with me forever that my avo would tell us. In a few cases, after exhuming a grave, they would find a person, kupruar, or ass to the air. The person who was buried on their backs would be found on their stomachs or twisted in different positions. They would find scratch marks on the inside of the remains of the coffin. Chilling to think about, especially for a person doing this work that was no more than 14 years old. Even though it was the 1930s, 1940s, medicine and funerary practices weren't up to the same standards as here in the U.S. The hospitals were far away and medical care wasn't as easily attainable as it is today. Our best guess, which we don't know for sure, was a person who was either in a coma or some other sickly state would be examined and declared dead and the funerary practices begun before they were fully expired. That's so sad. That's so, so sad. Because an article just, did you see that on Instagram? An elderly woman declared dead in Ecuador shockingly comes back to life banging on coffins during her wake. Bella Montoya, a retired nurse, was brought to the hospital early Friday after suffering cardiopulmonary arrest and a possible stroke, according to the Associated Press. After not responding to the resuscitation efforts, she was declared dead. Doctors informed Matoya's family, including her son, Gilbetu Barbera, that she was dead and handed over a death certificate, according to the AP. The family took her to a funeral home and held awake. Five hours in, the coffin started to rattle. And then it says, read, read the full story at the link in bio. 
So with that said, in the Reddit post, what a fear. Are you, um, oh, to be buried alive? Are you kidding me? This woman, obviously, the Ecuadorian woman sounds like she was still at the wake. Yes. So that yeah. was that was good. Being buried alive, obviously, back in the day, probably when this Reddit user posted 1930s, 1940s was so common. They, I know like they mentioned in my true crime <laughs> stories, I read that they would put like a bell in the coffin just to like, if so, if the person was alive, they could ring the bell and they would have people like sitting in the cemetery, like waiting to hear the bell going off. Oh my God. So crazy. <laughs> you wake up and you're just like, what the fuck am I? Like, <laughs> where am I? Especially too, like, like the Reddit user just said, if the person's like in a coma. I guess I don't understand it either because, like, even if you're in a coma, like, don't you still have like a heartbeat? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Like, shouldn't you still have a pulse? Do they just not have the thing to hear it? I know, Back but like, then, you can, you can just you feel, can feel somebody's it. wrist. You can feel a pulse, right? Yeah. You can do it by the neck, too. I don't know, <laughs> but it happened. Like, who's calling <laughs> it, was... it so early like that? Like, it clearly is still happening today. <laughs> According to this people post, people magazine article post. And yeah, it's kind of crazy, too, because like that woman went through the funeral home. Like, did they, they obviously didn't embalm her. Yeah, I was just thinking that she probably didn't get embalmed, right? Maybe that's something they don't do also in Ecuador. Like, they don't, like, they do in the Azores. Like, the Azores, they don't get embalmed. I was going to say, is it a good thing that she didn't get embalmed because she's still alive? But maybe if they, like, did attempts to embalm her, they would have, like, found her where they, like, realized she was alive? Right, before right. Before her in the coffin? Like, I don't know. When they sat her up to get her dressed? <laughs> Oh, it's so scary. New fear. <laughs> New fear is, yep, be buried at it. alive and then ends up kupuad in the coffin. You think your loved ones pass and then, like, they just show up to your doorstep? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Why did you just bury me? Dude, imagine the... Like people are going through the wake and like they're just like whispering like bad shit about you or whatever. Like and you're just there <laughs> in your coffin, like hearing it all. You get back up, you like, I got <laughs> beef with Maria over there. Cause Yeah, like that that poses a good question. Do you wait the entire wake to say hear what people are saying about you? Or the opposite? Like it's the first thing you want to do is like wake up and like knock on the thing so people can you know, like, I think I would chill and wait and just see what else is what other people do. Uh, no, they, like, sew your eye. Well, they sew our eyes here. So, like, that wouldn't be good. Like, we wouldn't be able to see. Oh, my God. It's it's given me, like, hocus pocus. You know, like, the scarecrow guy that... Like, <laughs> Billy Butchison. Billy Butchison. He's got his mouth sewn shut. Yes! And when he wakes up from the grave and he has to cut his mouth open. And it's like, yes. like the puff comes out. So we're going to do our mental health segment. Mm -hmm. 
We actually haven't done one in a while because we were doing some episodes that were structured a little bit differently. Like when we did our, you know, Netflix commentary on the Turn of the Tide series and stuff like that. So we are back with a mental health segment. And for today, I am going to just talk about something that I've seen it come up on TikTok a little bit and it just made me think it was just such an interesting concept to think about. And it was about how people with the most anxiety, like people who just live day to day with just constant anxiety about everything, end up being (laughs) the people who react the best to emergency situations. So like when you find yourself in a real high stress emergency situation where somebody needs to like be calm and act in an appropriate way, the people who suffer so much anxiety are actually the ones who are like the most even keeled through disastrous situations. And like the people who like go through life, like with no fucking care in the world are the ones who just like are floundering and lost and like don't know what's happening and panicked during stressful situations. I don't know. Like, does that make sense? It's kind of opposite of what you would think. I don't have my hard time wrapping my head around this one. So I don't know why, but you would think that the anxious person would like freak out or panic during that situation. But it's almost because they've like prepared themselves already mentally for disaster, like so many times over and over that they're like prepared for it. Yeah, that's okay. I can see that because I have all these situations in my head already planned out. Like if this were to happen, this is what I would do. Granted, anything can go haywire and your plan might not work. But in my brain, I'm like, okay, if this happens, like, you know, if my house catches on fire or this or that, like all these, if I, you know, if I was in this situation, I have all these like mentally, these things in my brain, what I would do. So I guess you can thank anxiety for that. (laughs) Right. So it's kind of, it's interesting because it's like you've already relived all of the stress of the situation. So you don't panic in that situation when you're faced with it in real life. You're just kind of like, all right, let's go. It's go time. Let's let's do it. And those are the people who step up versus like the people who don't have that anxiety don't know what to do because they haven't thought this all through before. Now it's making sense. (laughs) Now it's making sense. Because I'm like, my brother has zero anxiety about anything. And I could see out of the two of us who would be more prepared in an emergency. And that's going to be me, (laughs) not him. Even my husband, he has anxiety, but not about the things that we have anxiety about. Mm -hmm. Like his anxiety is different. Like I'd say he has like, you know, he has anxieties due to work or like socially, like he ends up with like anxiety about like what people think of him and like that kind of thing. Yeah. He doesn't have the brand of anxiety that we do of like, am I going to die today? Like, (laughs) like that's our brand of anxiety. Like that doesn't cross his mind. Like he's not living every day thinking he's going to die today. You know what I mean? So you're telling me your husband's never put into google why am i coughing so many times today or <laughs> do i have rabies or what is this weird bu- rash on my leg or do i have covid 
none of that. He doesn't Google anything. No, he he doesn't have that brand of anxiety. Oh my god, to live a life like that. Right. <laughs> like the things that I think of and worry about that like they do not cross his mind. But even that, you're just talking you're just talking medical stuff. Like I'm thinking even beyond that like did I lock the door? Like Oh yeah, that's a whole other. That man over there in that corner looks a little sus. You know, like just <laughs> That brand of anxiety, which in general, I feel like men don't necessarily have as much of that brand of anxiety as women. And isn't it like men, men's mental health month this month? I feel like I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw a post and it I think it was like maybe like a tweet or something. And it was like, if all the men were gone from the world, who would be there to protect the women? And a woman replied to it and said, protect them from who? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we don't need protecting. If the men are gone, protect us from who? Like the men oh. are our biggest predator. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Touche. I was just like, mic drop. Boom. Oh my God. So oh my good. God, that's awesome. How did that not go like, oh, maybe it did go viral and I didn't see it, but that needs to be like viral. <laughs> that's awesome. But so like, that's just to highlight the fact that women have so much more of that daily fear that's just embedded in every single thing that you do in your life. You know, like a hundred thoughts a day on, am I going to die today kind of thing, you know? I was just thinking, too, like, that's such a good point, because obviously, I'm not currently dating, but I'm single, and I will go on dates whenever I decide to go on the app and swipe. (laughs) And there's a local restaurant here in the city that has, I don't know if you've seen it, like, I don't know, you have a lot of restaurants where you live, so maybe you've noticed it, maybe you haven't, because you're not going on dates with random strangers. (laughs) And I don't know if you may be part of it, but they have like different shots. They'll be like, oh, get like an angel blue shot. And that means like you need to be like escorted to your car. Or if you order this shot, it means like you want like to call the cops or like all these different things. And I'm like, that's just so fucked up. That's even like something that we need to have. It's and- great that we do. But they'll have that like posted in the women's bathroom. Right. Yes. Right. So like, it's not just like in the regular menu. (laughs) (laughs) So like, if you're a woman, you go into the bathroom and it gives you this like code. Yeah. Of how to not that we're giving away our secrets. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly. It's just I know it's like shots and it's like different names of shots. So whatever it is that you're whatever situation you're in, or if like the man needs to be escorted, order this shot. Or if the cops need to be called, or if you need to be escorted to your car, um, which is a nice. It's amazing that we have that, but it's fucked up that we do. Yeah, like I bet they don't have that version in the men's room. A different no. version for them. <laughs> no, I know. And I remember there was like things like I saw videos like a while back where it almost felt like it was like a like a study that was being done where like they would ask a woman to like say all the thoughts or things that she thought about during some some 
normal task like oh you're gonna go to target and you're gonna Mm -hmm. buy something and you're gonna come home and like what are the things that go through your brain during that time oh and like just the amount of thoughts that she had like okay i need to make sure that i'm not you know that i have my keys out of my purse before i leave the store so that they're already in my hand so i can use them as a weapon if i need to if somebody approaches me like that kind of shit like i don't want to be fumbling through my purse for my keys at my car door like it was a whole bunch of things like that that this woman was like listing off of the things that she would need to think about just to do this routine daily task. And the man was asked the same thing. And his response was just like, like, I just get out of my car. I go to Target. I buy the thing and I come home. Like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he just you couldn't even comprehend how the experience for a woman was completely different than the way it's experienced by men. <laughs> fucking bed like the woman would be like well what time of day am i visiting target is it is it nighttime is it well lit is it where i'm gonna make sure i park close to the door i gotta make sure i don't park next to a white van i gotta make sure you know like it was like a lot of things so many there's so many things that you need to think of and it's so sad and a man just like out there just walking around like not a care in the world (laughs) Not prepared for any emergencies. The women are going to be the ones saving the day. Yeah, I always like tell you to like be like to know your surroundings, not to be on. I don't like to actually be on the phone if like when I'm going into a store mm-hmm. and coming out of a store. I actually like don't even like to be on my phone, period, while I'm at a store. Because I'm just in case like I need like it's like I need to be on alert about who's around me. Because <laughs> if there is a creep in the corner watching. You know what I mean? And like, we're little, so we can just get like picked up easily and thrown. So <laughs> I gotta watch. But you still got some fight left in you. I do, I think. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap up by reading my daughter's note that she slipped under the door for me. Oh, I love these. While I do my podcast. So let's see what she had to say today. It says, I love you too, too much, too, too much, to infinity and beyond. She likes that. More than crew. That's my dog's name. I just can't say it. (laughs) I just love you. I just feel like I am going to cry beyond happy tears. Oh, my God. This precious angel. She come up with this stuff. I'm dying at the I love you more than crew. I just can't say it. (laughs) Because my daughter is the fairest person in the world. Like she is so fair with how she splits her attention and her love and everything between her parents. Like if mommy gets something, daddy gets equal. And we have to do like a scheduled trade-off between who puts her to bed because we like have to go one day on one day off like everything has to be fair if she says mommy i love you she'd be like i love daddy the same amount like she just has to be completely fair and so the fact that she said she loved me more than the dog is like whoa that's big (laughs) but she can't say it though she can't say it but she could write it (laughs) she can write it i love these (laughs) she's so cute I can't they make me happy so hopefully they make our listeners happy too oh they make me so happy (laughs) 
See, you don't even have to tell her about the boogeyman. <laughs> nope. We'll see you around at the Bugaboo Creek. <laughs> it's a portal. Till next week, guys. Thanks for listening.